After a loss by the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers gained a game in the NFC North standings. So how is the division shaping up? We'll ask Andrew Garda of Pro Football Weekly. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're talking about a weekend in the NFC North Division. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Expert interview. We have Andrew Garda of Cheesehead TV, Pro Football Weekly, Sports on Earth, and a whole bunch of other places. Andrew, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing okay. Uh, not only do I get to celebrate a Packers victory, but uh, my own personal team, the Jets, actually managed to win this weekend. So, <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> it's it's a miracle. I, I how how are the Jets doing, man? Are, are they still alive in this thing, or is it uh, the season over for them already? Uh, well, let's see. If you want the pie in the sky narrative from the media this morning, they're still in it. <laughs> but if you want the realism. I, you know, this is a team that hasn't played good defense and that was what's supposed to carry them through the season. So uh, I think they're out of it, but you know, you, you keep fighting and you keep playing hard and, and longtime Packer fans will know about that. You know, you just want to <laughs> see something from this team. I know you guys are spoiled now, but. Uh, they're still alive until mathematically eliminated. Right. I mean, yes. that'll take you up to December. Sure. Yeah. Whatever you say, Brian. <laughs> All right. Uh, Andrew, it's been a while since we last talked to you, but in addition to your column, you write on the NFC North at Cheesehead TV, how our readers probably know you the best. I mean, you got a new role at Pro Football Weekly. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, um, it was kindly put into uh, into connection with the guys over there with Eric Edholm, who's over at, uh, at Yahoo, I think, still right now. And um I work with Kevin Fishbane and uh, the guys over Football Weekly, and I do uh, like a film breakdown series. Every Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, we post an article. I take some game. uh, You know, I've taken a look at the battle between Odell Beckham Jr. and Josh Norman. I I looked at the uh, Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz in the first couple of weeks. I break down some aspect of one of the games, and and I, you know, break it down via film and talk about some of the things that worked and why it worked uh, this week. I'll probably be looking at the, uh, the way that the Philadelphia Eagles defense bounced back and really took it to the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. And um, you know, maybe what the Vikings can try and do to stop that because as any Packer fans know, that's, that's kind of been a long standing issue for the Vikings and it looked like the last couple of weeks they might've fixed it, but uh, very clearly yesterday we discovered that no, no, they did not. So um, I really enjoy it. I love doing film breakdown, and so it's 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 nice to be able to uh, to get that out there and have a reason to do it. 
and a paycheck for it. <laughs> well, well, let's let's talk. Let's dig into that a little bit. Seeing as I mean that kind of impacted the Packers yesterday. That game in particular, uh, they gained ground in the NFC North after the loss uh, by the Vikings, lost to the to the Eagles. I mean, let's talk about the Vikings though a little bit. Let's uh, starting with their offense. Can they consistently win? with an offensive line that appears to be their weak link. Yeah, I mean, it, it did seem like they could. It looked like the answer to that was yes. But, you know, I've always been concerned about that. Um, you know, I, I think I think Bradford has really shown us, Sam Bradford has really shown us uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of what he can do at his best uh, the last few weeks. But there's only so much he could do. And I think we saw early on, like where that, that this was going to become an issue because you watch the run game, even in the first couple of games where uh, Adrian Peterson was still there, when you look at the run game and it's just, it, it's not there. And so you wondered when that offensive line was going to kind of like it, when that was going to become more of a factor. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, it, it's the tackles, you know, you've got Jeremiah Searles and uh, TJ Clemmings and Jake Long. And it was just, no matter who they put in there, it's not good. Um, and I think the problem is they're going to really have to start altering what they're doing, you know, using Matt Asiata as more of a traditional fullback blocker or, uh, you know, Red Ellison when he's healthy, um, you know, just uh, Michael Pruitt. I mean, they, they need these guys to stay in. And Kyle Rudolph is the tight end they like having out there, but he's not much of a blocker. He's much more of a, of a, of a move only tight end where he can catch the ball and uh, until they can figure that out, you know, they, they're just going to have problems. And, and the, the issue is, you know, and again, Packer fans are familiar with this because you guys had injury issues, you know, multiple times throughout the years, it changes the formations that are available to you. You know, they, the, the Vikings like to spread things out a little bit on occasion. They like to be able to have Stefan Diggs and, put Rudolph off into the slot and then have, you know, either Charles Johnson or Jarius Wright or, or even, you know, uh, Cordell Patterson, who suddenly actually is, you know, relevant again, <laughs> you know, some, they, they want to be able to have as many guys out there for Bradford to throw to as possible because they've had issues with the run game. Um, but if you have to keep extra guys in on the line or behind the line to block, well, then that's one less wide receiver. And I, I think that I, I just can't, I don't know how you fix an offensive line in midseason when you don't have the depth there to begin with. Like I love TJ Clemmings and I think in a couple of years, he could be a very good right tackle, but this is two years in a row that they've had to throw into the fire and, and he's not really ready. He's not much more than depth, but now he's a starter yet again, uh, you know, for a, a length of time. And, and I think they just don't have and haven't had the depth, uh, especially a tackle for a long time. So, I mean, the, the Vikings, you know, are, are going to have to take a page out of a, out of a playbook that I really liked, you know, again, going back to their Packer nemesis, you know, uh, a couple of years ago when the Packers were having Rodgers hit those slants and those quick outs and everything they could do to get the ball out of his hand as quick as possible because the offensive line had issues. And I really feel like that's where the Vikings have to go. I don't know that Norv Turner is that guy. I mean, th this is the thing, you know, Norv Turner has a very specific way he likes to play football. And I don't know that this lends itself to it. So, you know, the, a defense can take you a long way. But as we saw yesterday, it, it can't always cover up 
uh, a bad offensive line. I mean, the game's won in the trenches, but on both sides of the ball. Well, let's get into that as well. The Vikings' defense, which which really didn't appear to be the problem on Sunday. Can, can it make up for any shortcomings on the Vikings' offense? Uh, you know, to an extent. Like, I, I, we, we've seen it time and time again that it's worked for teams. I mean, the Denver Broncos just won a Super Bowl doing that. They had a they had an offense that should have been much better than it was, but their quarterback position was horrid last year. You know, sorry, Peyton Manning, but you just weren't any good. Um, and, and it, and it affected everything and the defense was able to carry it. Uh, we saw the jets with back-to-back AFC championship appearances, uh, you know, five, six years back, it can happen, but you know, you have to dig for that. <laughs> like It doesn't happen a lot. You know, you, you, the, the Seahawks, when, they had a. They still have a dominating defense, but when they had a dominating defense, Russ and they won their Super Bowl. Russell Wilson played very well, and Marshawn Lynch played very well. So they had stuff on the offense. They were able to cover that offensive line issues they've always had by having a, a, a great, you know, mobile quarterback and a, and a running back that you could just feed for an entire game. You know, the Vikings right now. I like Jarek McKinnon and I like Matt Asiata, and I think that they're good running backs, but they're not guys who are going to be able to overcome that offensive line. And I think that's kind of the problem for, for the Vikings, which is, you know, that defense is going to be able to keep them in games, but they have so little margin for error on the offensive side of the ball that it, it's going to be a problem. And, and, and to me, it's going to be a problem that even if they get into the playoffs, and I think they have a decent schedule, so they could very well do it. Um, but even if they get into the playoffs, that that's when you really need that offensive line or at least pieces on the offense that can really impose their will on the opposing defense. And I just don't see those pieces on the Vikings right now. So yes, the, the Vikings defense can carry them a long way, but once you get into the postseason, I think having, having some answer for that offensive line is going to be necessary. Uh, this team is too, I mean, you know, that's the other thing. This team is so young, even on defense, that I think it's a lot to ask to kind of carry the team for an entire year. This is not the the Broncos last year who had a very, a very good veteran defense. The Vikings have a very young defense, and that's problematic as well. Yeah, they've got quite a few weeks till the playoffs, so we'll see if they find an identity here between now and, and January. But uh, Andrew, elsewhere in the NFC North, helping you do some prep work here for your column, uh, how, are the, how are the Lions able to beat Washington on Sunday? You know, Matt Stafford, I think I think one of the one of the stories is not getting talked about as much, um, uh, you know, just because there's so many other things going on is how good Matt Stafford has played. And and I think the expectation, uh, it wasn't my expectation because I've long thought that despite the fact that I love Calvin Johnson, that in some ways he held this offense back because Matt Stafford Stafford would get so locked into him Mm -hmm. that. You know, it, the, he had no eyes for anyone else, and and we did we did finally see him sort of look at Golden Tate and such, uh, you know, in the last year of Calvin Johnson's career, start looking at other people. But without him there, and it took a it took a little while for them to get it together. But I feel like we really saw sort of the the ultimate like peak for them. Uh, you know what it should look like uh, in a passing offense this past weekend. You know, four four catches out of five targets for Marvin Jones, 94 yards. 12 targets to Golden Tate. He caught six for 93. Three out of four targets for Anquan Bolden. That's, you know, that you're spreading the ball out well. If they can get their run game going a little more, the Lions can be really, really de- uh, dangerous. You know, I, I feel like for whatever reason, 
Washington lets a lot of close games kind of, you know, or, or lets a lot of games that I think they should win get a little bit closer than they should. I mean, the, the Lions defense also played much better than it has, uh, you know, in, in weeks. Uh, they they sh- finally showed up. Uh, so that made a huge difference. But I, I feel like Stafford and that passing offense really sort of found the chinks in the armor over in Washington that have been there for a long time. Some questionable secondary, uh, you know, aside from Josh Norman, you know, that just – uh, there, there's there's room to attack the Washington Redskins, and Stafford did a great job of doing it. All right. now, So now that the Lions are winners of three in a row, how, how do they factor into the NFC North race, and should the Packers be worried? I, I think so from the standpoint that, you know, the, the Packers have had such an off-balance beginning of the year. So it feels like everything is wide open, and, and I mean, it is. It's early enough. Uh, I want to see the Lions show this ability to spread the ball out and, and win games the way that they did, you know, and a little more of a run game before I start to really worry about them if I'm a Packers fan. But, you know, three wins in a row is is pretty good, and this one was pretty convincing. So I, I think you do have to worry a little bit about it. But this NFC North is very close. I mean, I don't think anybody expected the Vikings to go undefeated throughout the season. And you know, if people paid attention to the Eagles, and I'll, like I said, I'll take a little bit more of a look a little later this afternoon to see what the Eagles did that maybe teams didn't beforehand to attack this offensive line. But, uh, you know, the Vikings are right there. The Packers are right in the middle of it. Uh, I think if the Lions get hot and the Vikings stay hot, uh, yeah, the Packers should be worried. Uh, you know, you look at the rest of the NFC. You know, the Eagles and Washington are still playing very well. Uh, Dallas at five and one. You're probably not going to get a wild card team out of the NFC South. Uh, the NFC West, though, you've got the Cardinals at three, three and one, and the Seahawks at four and one and one. I mean, the, I think those are legitimate teams to be concerned about. So adding another one to the mix, like the Lions, is, is definitely something that the Packers have to worry about a little bit. But at least he's there within their division, so they could take care of that business themselves. Yeah, uh, shaping up to be a very fun NFC North with three teams with winning records right now. So at the very least, very very fun. We're talking to Cheesehead TV's own Andrew Garda, also Pro Football Weekly here at Cheesehead TV on a Monday morning. Andrew, um, all right, it, it is a Packers show, and and their game was four days ago, so we don't have to like you know, beat this down at length here. But I mean, if you just had one takeaway from that game, you know, this past Thursday, what would it be? You know, that I really felt like we started to see the offense uh, writing itself, uh, specifically Rodgers. I don't want to see him throw 56 times in a game. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I don't, that, that's not, that's not good for anybody. Um, and, you know, and, and we have to understand that it was against a, a Bears team that defensively has, tremendous issues and you know ha- went through two quarterbacks during the game so it's not like I'm you know excited but they still knew that the Packers really didn't have a lot a lot of depth at running back right now you know they they have they have a fullback and Repkowski that they can run out there if they want to Niall Davis they didn't want to have to throw in there yet Don Jackson got hurt and uh and you know would only carry the ball twice Ty Montgomery is great but it's not he's not your your usual he's not Eddie Lacy you know he, mm-hmm. he's not your usual running back so despite that despite the fact that the Bears knew that they could probably pin their ears back and just go after Rodgers especially given the struggles he's had for him to go out 
and 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 throw for 326 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. I I think is is pretty impressive. And I saw I saw a couple of synopsis at like Roto World and other places where people were saying, oh well, you know, he had a he kind of had a shaky first half. And I've already I'm, I'm breaking it down for a fantasy site I work for called Football Guys. I do all of the offense stuff for Packers and Vikings. I looked I looked through that game once already. You know, aside from when it actually was played. And he looked pretty sharp for the most part. There's still some miscommunications. There's still some bad throws. But that was probably the best game of football I've seen him play this season. And I I think that that should make Packer fans very hopeful because he's starting to look like Rodgers. You still don't know what's going on with Jordy Nelson. There's still some disconnect or Nelson's still banged up or he's not with it. But he was able to – Aaron Rodgers was able to – consistency from Devonte adams which is some sort of miracle uh, get the ball to randall cobb and 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 let him get more yards out of, uh after the catch and ty montgomery had a phenomenal game being able to move back and forth from running back to wide receiver and, and to and to get over 120 total yards i i felt like despite the fact that nelson's not playing as well as we expected him to moving the ball around and getting all of those you know, it was 13 receptions for Devonte Adams, 11 for Cobb, 10 for Montgomery. Move the ball around. Don't just wait for that one long distance bomb to get open, and uh, and don't try and overthink the plays. Just get the ball to your receivers, and I felt like they did a really good job of that. Yeah, I I said the exact same thing. I thought it was the best game from Aaron Rodgers this year. Um, I don't know if that's saying much, but it's a step in the right direction, if if at le- at the very least. Um, all right, Andrew, what what did you make of this Packers rare in season trade for Niall Davis, and do you think he becomes a big part of the offense going forward? Uh, I think he has a potential to. I like what Davis you know brings to the table. Generally, he runs really hard. I think he's got pretty good speed and pretty good vision. And I think he'd get the ball a lot more in Kansas City if there weren't like 15 backs that were all that good. You know, Jamal Charles and, and Spencer Ware and Tarkandrick West. And I mean, there's just no room. So I was kind of surprised that they didn't move Davis beforehand. He, he wasn't the best of those backs, but he's a very good one. And I think he could see a significant amount of time once he gets comfortable with the playbook and everything. And I think, uh, you know, he's a different runner than Eddie Lacy. You know, Lacy's a much bigger runner. He runs a little more powerfully. Um, but I think Davis is a little bit more speed and, and he could do a lot of different things. So I think, you know, I, I don't know whether, I don't know how much you'll see, you know, how they'll ease him into the run. And, uh, and the big concern with Mike McCarthy is sometimes he decides he just doesn't want to run the ball anymore. So it's hard to say how much they'll use Davis, but I think if they, if they give him 15 to 20 carries a game, um, you know, or touches, if you want to include uh, receptions, I think that it would give them some stability in the offense and, and help, again, you know, keep Rodgers from having to overthink and having to kind of feel like he has to do everything. So I, I think he could. I, I like Davis. I think it was a good trade. Uh, it was a necessary trade. And I don't feel like they were held over a barrel, uh, you know, for, for a position that they were very clearly desperate for. You know, it, as soon as as soon as you even heard they were talking about Niall Davis, you're like, oh, Lord, Eddie Lacy's done for the season. You know, so you, you, that's when that's when bad teams overpay. You know, that's when bad teams, you know, go out and, and give up high picks and, and important players. And the and the Packers got, I thought, Davis for a reasonable price. So is that a dig at the Vikings and Sam Bradford? 
You know, I don't know yet. <laughs> I, I, you know, it depends on the day, but I still that yeah, that was that was. I still don't know that I'm sold on that first round pick, and uh, that's called a win now move. That's when you feel like you have to win right this second because <laughs> you kind of need those picks. All right, last question before we let you go. An, an extra point, so to speak. Do you have any reaction to the first NFL game being played at Twickenham in London on Sunday? Because the Packers have yet to play in an, an international game, and I think the fan base is curious about it happening at some point in the future. Well, I mean, I, I'll be up front. I'm not a huge fan of the overseas games uh, just because I know it can be really difficult on the teams. And if they're going to do them, I'd rather them do them immediately after a bye or immediately before a bye for both teams. I just think with the, you know, going overseas is, is a huge pain in the butt with the, with the giants. Like it was almost like going West coast, except for they were going backwards in time, not forwards. But, you know, looking at Los Angeles, that's, that's a long trip and it, and it takes some adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not a huge fan of stuff like that, but, I thought overall that it went pretty well. Um, you know, I, I think it was a nice change of pace from uh, from where you know from where they usually play it. So I think I think it's interesting. I, I don't know whether what the NFL wants, which is to have a franchise there, which I think is very evident at this point that they want that. I don't know that that would really work, but it's certainly you know there's certainly enough interest to have at least one or two games every year and the fans over there really like it. And I think there are a fair amount of people who actually like to go travel and, you know, go overseas and, and see what's going on. It gives them an excuse to go to London. Um, I, I think it, the other downside is if you are the home team, you've lost a home game. And and that, you know, when you're the Packers, I mean, Lambeau field is, that's an advantage. Like, it's not like, no offense to my friends who are Jacksonville Jaguars fans, or even to some extent, you know, Jets and Giants fans. I, I don't know that losing those home games Of course, it means something to the team, but it's not the same as like if you were the Seahawks, you know, if you're the Packers, if you're Oakland, you know, where there is a much different vibe going into those stadiums as a visiting team or even a visiting press person. You know, there's a there's an intensity that you're not going to have as the you know, with the home team overseas, the whole overseas. Everybody's just happy to be there. You'll have your fans there, but it's not like, you know. It's not like being in Lambeau. So I, I think, you know, for Packer fans, you should probably be happy that you haven't had to give up an inter, you know a home game for it because that's a real advantage for Packers. Uh, but at the same point, I think it's an interesting experience. And, and I, I think it's good for the game to an extent. Uh, I just don't think that, you know, going hog wild with it is, is as necessary. I also do wonder, you know, what, what would Packer fans do <laughs> if they had to get up at, 7:30 in the morning on a Sunday to watch the game. You know, I, I, as as a former Los Angelino, like you know, 9:30 in the morning. If I wanted to watch that Giants Rams game, I'd be like, nope. It's 6:30 in the morning. That's 6:30 in the morning for people, and I that's just kind of insane. What what do you think about the game in China that they're talking about? I mean that that's going to be like in the middle of the night. Yeah, I you know I. I I, I'm not, I'm not on board. <laughs> I'm not on board with most of them. I, I have some affection to the London games because they've been around for a while. And, and I, you know, I know that people you know, overseas really enjoy them, enjoy them. But uh, yeah, I, you know, this is the thing. Like it's, it's huge. It's a huge thing to get your team overseas, you know, and either anywhere, you know, it's not like you're playing Toronto or even Mexico, which is, you know, not as far. You, you start going to, 
England and Germany and now let's go into Russia and then China, you know, like if, if you want to, the farther you get, the more of an imposition. And I, and I can imagine that going into China it has its own mass amounts of headaches, you know, in terms of uh, logistics and, you know, governmental issues, you know, that's a very controlled environment. So, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of that particular game. I know it's sort of on hold right now. And I think if they held it forever, I'd be fine with that. But I'm not Roger Goodell. I'm not making the big bucks. So. And a century from now, we'll be talking about a game on Mars. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Andrew, thank you that, so much. That's going to be a, that's gonna be a heck of a travel schedule right <laughs> yeah. there. Andrew, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us today. We'll, we'll send people for your uh, film review at uh, Pro Football Weekly and look forward to the column on the FC North at Cheesehead TV. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It was good talking to you again. Yeah, sounds good. Good morning, and (laughs) we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Andrew Garda joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. All right. Uh, The Packers are now only one game back of the Vikings after Minnesota lost 21-10 to the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. And we just broke that down quite a bit with Andrew Garda, so I'm not going to go too much there. Um, In fact, I don't have too much today, seeing as there wasn't a whole lot of Packers news breaking since the last game, and we already wrapped that up. Uh, But since our last episode of Railbird Central, uh, the Mike McCarthy postgame press conference took place on Friday. And uh, I just know one takeaway that he said, uh, the coach said, it's too early to tell the status of rookie running back Don Jackson after he suffered an injury to his left hand in Thursday's game against the Bears. Uh, he, of course, returned to the sideline with a club cast. And while he might technically be able to play with a club cast, You know, the Packers would be hard-pressed to give the ball to a running back at a position where ball security is at a premium. You know, know, it's it's one thing for a guy like Jeff Janis to play with a club cast when he plays almost exclusively on special teams as just covering kicks and things like that. But it's another to give a ball to a running back uh, with a, you know, a club on his hand. Uh, so we're still kind of waiting for more information on, on Jackson here. Boy, if, if he did have a broken hand and was going to be out for several weeks, you wonder what the Packers do with him. Uh, I, I mean, can they just afford to keep him on the roster? Uh, do you put him on injured reserve? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, with, with the Thursday game here, at least they had, you know, a little bit of time to, you know, fully evaluate him, make a decision uh, that maybe we'll see soon here. Uh, I know that in the immediate aftermath, it could have been that there was a lot of swelling, things like that. You can't get an accurate gauge, you know, immediately. Uh, but maybe we'll we'll know more soon. So waiting on that. You know, just maybe one small bit of commentary today. And, and Andrew Garda kind of alluded to this a little bit. Uh, but if I had kind of one thought on the Packers today, um, and it kind of relates to the health of the running backs here. Uh, it, it's the approach in general of the team's offense. You know, the Packers had 56 pass attempts against the Bears. And and that isn't something you'd ideally like to do game after game. Uh, but considering, that being said, considering the injury to Don Jackson and considering Niall Davis was just acquired, 
I have to assume the Packers are going to go with a very pass-heavy attack against the Falcons this Sunday out of necessity, this upcoming Sunday. Um, you know, and maybe for the next few games, kind of depends here on how the running back situation shakes itself out. Um, and I think even Aaron Rodgers seemed to acknowledge that in his post-game comments this past Thursday because the Packers really have no other choice. Um, but but I suppose if there's a silver lining here, they at least got to use, used to operating that type of offense against the Bears, and Ty Montgomery got used to playing in a big role out of the backfield. And yes, we even saw the one thing I've been harping on here, Aaron Ripkowski pass blocking in one back sets. It didn't happen a ton, but it, it happened for the first time, to my knowledge, against the Bears this past Thursday a handful of times. And it certainly helps that the Packers had a mini-buy here, kind of allowing Niall Davis a few extra days to learn the playbook before the Falcons game. So I assume he, he'll be able to do more here against the Falcons than he was able to do against the Bears, in which he just basically got two carries in garbage time near the end of the game. So I, I think he can probably play a, a little bit more, maybe a not a lot a bit more. So let, let's say, you know, the Packers had 56 pass attempts against the Bears. I, I'm thinking that only goes down modestly here this week against the Falcons. I, I think 50 pass attempts, while still a lot, you know, I, it's still going to be a pass-heavy attack against Atlanta on Sunday just because, you know, Don Jackson's hurt, uh, he and he's only a rookie, and Niall Davis still maybe knows now a little bit about the offense, but doesn't have the entire playbook at his disposal. So you're still going to see a lot of Ty Montgomery. Uh, you're still going to see maybe Aaron Rupkowski in the one-back sets, but I mean, it, the, the offense, I think, is basically more or less going to be the same with... with you know, just, you know, a little bit more running attack here than they had against the Bears. So uh, I would be kind of get used to that for the next week or two. Now, over time, certainly, uh, we're talking a month from now. You know, Niall Davis now has a knowledge of the playbook for a month. Maybe Don Jackson's healthy. Maybe Eddie Lacy's ready to come back toward the end of December, you know, the Packer offense can look totally different down the road here, but pass heavy attack for the next few weeks. That's, that's what I'm anticipating here, at least against the Falcons. Uh, and we'll go from there. We'll, we'll reevaluate in a week's time here. Um, but that leads me into the next segment. The day ahead. All right. So basically I ran down all the talk shows on Monday because, uh, uh, you know, typically Mike McCarthy holds a press conference on Monday. Uh, and, and I would mention that in our day ahead segment, but apparently, you know, kind of with the Packers playing this past Thursday, they've, they've pushed Mike McCarthy's next press conference back to Tuesday. At least that's, that's what it says at Packers.com. Uh, so no press conference today. So all your packets, Packers coverage is going to come from the typical Monday talk show circuit and I've kind of rounded these up here so uh, all right Jordy Nelson is the guest on Inside the Huddle uh, that's at 5 30 p.m. on Fox 11 in Green Bay 
Uh, so that's the first one. Kicker Mason Crosby is the guest on the Horse and Plow Huddle at the American Club in Kohler. That's on uh, 5.40 a.m. in Milwaukee and streaming on ESPNWisconsin.com. Uh, I believe it's Chris Banjo's turn to host the In the Huddle radio show at 6 o'clock p.m. at Game Day Sports Bar in Appleton. That's heard on the Woodward Radio Network. Fullback Aaron Ripkowski is the guest of wide receiver Tom, Ty Montgomery on Clubhouse Live at 6.30 p.m. from the Clubhouse Bar and Grill in Appleton. Uh, streams live at PackersNews.com. Uh, defensive lineman Kenny Clark, first-round draft choice, is the guest on Pack Attack, which tapes on Monday at Dale's Weston Lanes in Weston, Wisconsin at 6.30 p.m., airs on TV on Tuesday. Uh, defensive lineman Mike Daniels is the guest on Packers Live with Larry McCarron taping on Monday from Lambeau Field Legends Club at 6.30 p.m. Uh, again, I believe that airs on Wednesday. Um... And uh, there'll also be the fifth quarter radio show on WTAQ in Green Bay with a player guest from the stadium view at 5 o'clock p.m., but I have not yet seen who the player guest will be. So there you go, a roundup of all the players appearing on talk shows on Monday uh, for you to get your Packers fix later today, most of them taking place during the evening hours. Uh, but there you go. Uh, check it out. Uh, tune in or listen in or stream it or, or heck, go to it live if you live in the Packers area and have fun. And that'll pretty much do it, folks, for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you to Andrew Garda, Cheesehead TV's own, uh, for being our guest, also of Pro Football Weekly and Football Guys and and all sorts of other places as well. So glad to have him joining us after it's been a while since we've talked to Andrew um, and glad to have him on once again. Um, that'll do it, folks. Uh, my call to action is always as usual. If you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So you could, if you could do us a solid, head to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV. It'll pop right up. Uh, give us uh, that five-star rating and a brief little review. doesn't have to be anything long, but we'd greatly appreciate it because it helps us get word out about the show, and we think it's a service to Green Bay Packers fans. So thank you to those of you who have done that already. Uh, thanks a lot. All right, see you, folks. Have a good Monday. We'll be back on Wednesday with our usual weekly conversation with Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song called Something Else by Keller Williams and the Keels on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go, Pat, go.